Good morning. Merry Christmas. Thank you, choir and orchestra, for leading us today. It's wonderful to be here in worship. We had a wonderful evening of worship last night. Um, but this morning's different, right? Last night we were still anticipating and preparing for the coming of the Lord. And today we get to proclaim, Behold the King, the Christ is born. I'd like to take just a, a, a couple of minutes to, to reflect and ponder and, and to have a, a pastoral moment in prayer before I begin. It's great to see Philip here reading with his mom, and this is a special time where the family comes home. I saw Chuck, all three kids are here this morning. In that, in that special time, uh, when our families come home, and last night was a special evening as, as families came from, uh, from all over. I know our, part of our family that came last night has already gone on their way, um, but it's been a special time. But I'm also reminded of the different places we are in our families, families getting together, uh, newborn children in families, uh, those who have departed over this last year to be with the Lord, even in these last days and weeks. I received a, an, a, an updated note on my desk this morning from one of our senior adult uh, ladies that just can't understand why she's not in heaven this Christmas and is at that point of just struggling with life and so desperately wants to go on to be with the Lord. So I know this morning we're in a lot of different places, but we come to the manger. We, we come to that place of the birth of Christ, because in Christ, no matter where we are and no matter what stage our, our, our family is in, we can find Christmas hope and joy and peace and love. And no matter where we are in life, these attributes, these characteristics of God, of Emmanuel being with us, can be experienced and on this day, we, we recognize and celebrate that, not just for today, but for each day that we live. Let's pray. Father, on this day, families come with so many different emotions. Some celebrating life, some grieving death on one hand, yet celebrating eternal life for those who've gone on. Some rejoicing that family members are here with us. Some longing to be with family members that are across the nation, even across the world. And so, Lord, this morning as we celebrate the birth of Christ, we, we pray that all that this means to us would, would be experienced. And, Father, that today we would know your love and your hope and your joy and your peace in deep and profound ways. And that even in the midst of difficult times, we would be able to celebrate and worship and fall on our faces before you. Lord, now be with us as we consider the story of Matthew and how he tells the story of Jesus' birth through the eyes of the Magi and through the eyes of Joseph. May we be strengthened and encouraged and nurtured today because of our time we spent in the Word, the time we spent with you the time we spent with each other. And it's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. 
If you would, and if you haven't already, turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. As, as you're aware, over these last weeks, we have, have been walking through the, the story of Jesus and the coming of Christ through the eyes of Matthew. The first few weeks through the eyes of John the Baptist, who came to prepare the way for the Lord. And over these last couple of weeks, we've shifted to the beginning of Matthew's gospel to consider Matthew's story through the eyes of Joseph. And today, we are at that point of Jesus' birth. In fact, chapter 2, verse 1 begins, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem searching for this new king. Of course they came to Jerusalem, right? Isn't that where the capital of, of Judea, of Israel was? That is where King Herod was. And that is where you would journey to travel to, to find the new king. And so the Magi from the east travel into Jerusalem, searching for the king. And yet there's no stir, there's no excitement that a new king has been born. And they make their way, I suspect, as they are asking questions, they make their way to Herod's palace and presence. They ask the question, where is he? Where is the king? Now, oh, isn't it interesting that the people who should know where the king was born are the same people that aren't even aware that the king has been born. And yet it's people who come from a different land. It, it's people who come from afar. It's people that aren't necessarily and that aren't God's people in the sense of being the descendants of Abraham. It's these people that have a sense of awareness that God is doing something great and grand and glorious in Jerusalem. And they come asking and searching, where is the king? But again... The people who should know aren't even aware that a king has been born. I think the same question applies to us today. Where is he? Where is the king who has been born? As your family celebrates, and those that would be watching and observing from afar, would they say in your life, in your family, in your celebration of Christmas, that you are worshiping, you've discovered, you know where the king is? Or if they were to look at your life, they would say, where's the king? Are you worshiping the one for whom Christmas is about. And so Herod begins to stir. He reaches out to the religious leaders and they come and they, they look at the prophecies of the Old Testament and sure enough, they come to, to King Herod and they say, Oh King, he is to be born in Bethlehem. And so Herod calls the Magi in and, and he shares with them that the, the new king should be in Bethlehem. And not wanting to stir the masses, not wanting to stir the people because Herod may not have been the most popular king in all areas. And so he sent the Magi away quietly and secretly to go and to find this, this newborn king and to report back secretly and quietly so that on pretext he could go and worship this king when in reality he was going to remove the threat by putting to death this newborn king. 
And so the Magi go searching for the king. And it's interesting as we look at, I believe it's verse 7. Herod called the Magi together and determined from them the exact time that the star had appeared. They had been following the the star. The star had indicated and told them to to go to Jerusalem that there is a new king in Judea. And and it's a fascinating study. We don't have time for it today. To research and to discover and to learn about the possibilities of this star. But it's interesting in verse 16, it reconnects us to the star. And it says that as the Magi went away and did not come back to tell Herod because they were aware of his plan that Herod determined in verse 16 to put to death all the male children two years and under. So we put verse 7 and 17 together and we would discover, we would learn that, that, the, that Jesus, when the Magi appear and come to visit, is somewhere between infant and being born. He's found in a house. So therefore, we would understand that the Magi are visiting most likely after the birth of Jesus at some time where Mary and Joseph were still able to, to settle there in Jerusalem as Jesus was an infant up to the age of two. And so here it says, go and search and find this king. And verse 9 and 10 tells us that the star went on before them and again, this, uh, there's various interpretation, fascinating studies and interpretation of, of the reappearance of the star or, or maybe uh, symbolically, metaphorically, the second time that the star leads them to the house in which Jesus is at. When the Magi arrive and they find Mary and they find this baby Jesus, they come in and they fall on their face before him. They fall and they worship. For you see, these magis understood and knew that Jesus was the king, a new king. And they had come to worship him. I wonder if today, if, if our hearts are pure and genuine as we come before the, this, this newborn child, this, this Christ in a crib, if you would, We realize this is Emmanuel, God with us, and we offer our worship genuinely and authentically before Him this morning. And the Scripture tells us that as a part of their worship, as a part of their worship, the Magi brought gifts. They brought three gifts, and therefore because they brought three gifts, our tradition says there were three Magi, but we really don't know that. There could have been several Magi, there could have been a couple of Magi. But we've implied and interpreted through history that each magi brought a gift, so therefore there must have been three magi. That's tradition that we have shared through the years. But it's fascinating and interesting the gifts that the magi bring. In verse 11, again, the scripture tells us that they presented their gifts to Jesus and to Mary, his mother. Gifts of gold and of frankincense and of myrrh. Now in these gifts, the Magi and Matthew are are opening to us, they're foreshadowing to us, they're even proclaiming and prophesying to us who this king is and who this child is. For you see, gold was a gift that was given to a king. And the Magi brought and they worshipped this king and they, they brought and gave gifts of gold to this king. But they also brought frankincense. Frankincense is a gift for a priest. Now it's interesting that that in in Latin the word pontifex, which is translated priest, 
means a bridge builder. So the Magi are bringing this frankincense to this one who would be priest, this one who would build bridges. What kind of bridges did Jesus build? Jesus built bridges between us and between the Father. Jesus is the one who came and built that bridge over the chasm of sin in our lives that has separated us from God and from His Spirit. And Jesus is the one who has built that bridge to connect us to Him. But Jesus has also built bridges because of that bridge He's built between us and the Father. Jesus is also a bridge builder, a priest between you and between me between each other as we have brokenness in our own relationships. It's through Christ, it's through this great priest that we are able to build bridges back and forth to each other. Even when we destroy and break those bridges that that we may have shared at one time, the great priest, the, the high priest Jesus is one who continues to build bridges back and forth to each other, even in spite of our own destructive and sinful nature. Oh, the Magi understood that that this new child, this new king would, would be someone who would be great. And so they brought gold and they brought frankincense, but they also brought myrrh. Myrrh was a gift that was given to someone who was about to die. Myrrh was a gift that was given as a, as, as an, as, as a spice, that which would be used in, in, to, to prepare the body through its decay. And so they would bring myrrh to, to, to spice the body, to, to prevent the body from smelling, and it was a beautiful ointment that, that would be used, but given to one who was to die. So here in the birth narrative... Matthew shares with us, he foretells to us the life, the ministry, and the death of Jesus Christ through the gifts of the Magi. And so the Magi bring and they they present their gifts, their gifts of gold and of frankincense and myrrh. And certainly we would ask those questions, what gifts do we bring Jesus today? And what gifts do we bring Jesus each and every day of our life? Gifts worthy of a king, gifts worthy of a priest, gifts worthy of one who died for you and for me. And as the Magi understand that they're warned in a dream and they leave by a different route out of Bethlehem to return to the east, excuse me, yes, to the east, Joseph has another dream. Now, Joseph may have gotten to the point where he didn't want to go to sleep anymore because every time he went to sleep, he had a a dream, a vision with an angel. Yet this time, as Joseph goes to sleep, he is warned by the angel of the Lord that Herod has found out that the Magi have tricked him, so to speak, and Herod is furious and that Herod will be seeking to take the life of this newborn child. And so in this dream, the angel of the Lord warns Matthew And so as Herod begins his search for this newborn king, Joseph and Mary get up and they they take their child, they take Jesus and they flee to Egypt 
And the angel of the Lord says to remain in Egypt until I tell you it's safe to return. Here's the question that I have for us. As we've, we've studied the, the, the journey of Joseph and Mary through her announcement of her pregnancy, through what I would believe would be they being disowned by their family, rejected by their family, trying to find a place to, to live where, they, where could, Joseph could, could do his profession. And here they are, it looks like being established in a home, but now being expected and told to go on a great pilgrimage. In fact, to flee. How does a poor family make such an unexpected trip? How does such a poor family begin life as refugees? Well, it's because of the gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. As we visited with our Palestinian guide while we were visiting Bethlehem and it was just an off-the-cuff statement and and he said this would have been the path as he pointed through the the valley that Joseph and Mary would have fled away from Jerusalem and fled across to the the Dead Sea area and across the Jordan to find their way to Egypt and he just off-the-cuff made the comment of well, of course they would have used these gifts that the Magi had brought them to finance and to, to finance their trip and to finance their stay in Egypt. You see, the Magi or the gifts of the Magi blessed and provided for Joseph and Mary and Jesus in ways that they could have never imagined. It's the book of Proverbs that tells us that a gift opens doors. And the Magi's gifts opened the doors for Mary and Joseph and Jesus to travel to Egypt. But have you ever stopped to consider that Jesus, that God with us, was born illegitimate to a homeless, unmarried couple who would soon flee as refugees to another country? Rejected by family, rejected by their people, rejected by their king. Not exactly the life you would expect the king of kings and lord of lords to begin with. Can you relate to this kind of life? Have you been in that place of being rejected? Have you ever been a refugee? Can you relate to the life of a refugee? Probably most, if not all of us in this sanctuary today have no idea what the life of a refugee is like. But church, we need to understand that there are millions in our world today that do. Our world is filled with refugees. Our world is filled with children and adults who are fleeing their homes These statistics were released last year in December. The world has 65.3 million refugees. 51% of those refugees are children. 24 people flee their home every minute. That's 34,000 a day. 24 people flee their home every minute from violence and persecution. One in 113 people in our world have been driven from their homes. 90% of the refugees of our world today come from the poorest of the poor countries that are embattled in wars like Syria and Afghanistan and Somalia. 
In 2015, 100,000 children had been separated from their families. Do you hear that? In 2015, there were 100,000 orphan refugees trying to make their way and survive in this world. 10 million people in our world are denied nationality because of their refugee status. And because they are not uh, citizens of any nations, they are denied basic rights such as education, health care, employment, and the freedom to move about. Church, who will bring these people gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh? Will it be the people of God? Our community, Norman, Oklahoma, is filled with refugees as well, fleeing from their addictions, fleeing from their abusers, fleeing from their past. They are alienated from family and friends. They are hopeless and despairing. And many of them today are alone. Who? will bring them gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh so that they can have the hope and the resources to survive the life that is before them. Church, these kinds of gifts are possible on Christmas Day if we will only enter into the Christmas story and embrace the possibility that in our gifts, God is with you in a real and powerful way. Do we take our gifts seriously enough on Christmas? Do our gifts open doors for God to be in and with the Josephs and the Marys and the Jesuses of our world that are fleeing the persecutions of Herod? Have we even considered the possibility that our gifts could do such? And what about our gifts that we've given to our family and our friends today? What doors will they open Have we offered to our family and friends today gold and frankincense and myrrh? Or have we merely offered trinkets that will be discarded or broken or left in the corner because we are bored with them after a few days? Joseph and Mary were able to leverage the gifts of the Magi to open the door for their fleeing and their safety, their travel and their living in Egypt. But unlike many of the refugees in our world today, the good news is that Mary and Joseph and Jesus were able to return home And so Joseph again (laughs) went to bed one night and had a dream. He had a dream and the angel of the Lord told him that Herod had died and it was time for him to return to Israel, to Judah. Now, Herod died around 4 BC, so that helps us to date the the birth of Christ. Uh, We would think that Jesus was born probably around 5 or 6 BC. 
And that's part of discovering the the star and all the the history related. But when Herod died in 4 BC, Joseph dreamed the angel of the Lord appeared to him and Mary and Joseph and Jesus began their journey back to Judah. Except something happened along the way. They discovered that Herod Archelaus, which was one of Herod's sons, was the king of, of, of Judah, of Jerusalem. And that he was carrying on some of the same policies of his father, King Herod. And so the angel warned them not to go back to Jerusalem, but rather to go on up to Galilee. And specifically to settle in Nazareth. And Matthew ends his story in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 2 by telling us that Jesus will be called a Nazarene. So we look back over these first two chapters. What Matthew is doing is he's announcing, he's proclaiming who Jesus Christ is. He has told us in chapter 1, verse 21, that Jesus will save his people from their sin. He has told us in chapter 1, verse 23, that Jesus is Emmanuel, that he is God with us. In chapter 2, he has told us that Jesus is the King, he's the Messiah. In chapter 2, he's told us that Jesus is the High Priest. The bridge builder between us and between God and between each other. And that Jesus has come to die for us. And now, before he wraps up his birth story, he said, Jesus is a Nazarene. And again, for Matthew to fulfill the Old Testament prophecies was was so important. And as we read through the Old Testament prophecies in Jeremiah 23, verse 5 and 6, Jeremiah prophesies that the Messiah will be a righteous branch. The word for righteous branch and the word for Nazarene come from the same Hebrew root. And, And so Matthew's reaching back to connect Jesus to this righteous branch. So now we have an understanding, a better understanding when in in John, Nathaniel says of Jesus, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Matthew would say, well certainly, a righteous branch has shot up from Nazareth. A righteous sprout has come out of the ground, has come out of the wasteland, has come out of a place where you would never expected, but this righteous branch, this Nazarene has come, and he is Messiah. So here we are. Jesus is born. The Christ is born. Behold the King. But before we leave today, we must make full circle because now we must continue to prepare the way. We go back to where we started in Matthew 24 when Matthew proclaims and tells us that we do not know the day which our Lord is coming. Christ is coming again. He will return in His glory and in His fullness. And we, as a result of this Christmas day, are to prepare the way each and every day. Living in the reality now that God is with us. Not asking, where is He? But God is here and He is with us. 
giving gifts along the way that open doors for the displaced and the hurting and the lost so that they too can know God is with them. Living each and every day with an alertness and an urgency that Jesus is returning in His fullness and His glory. So church, today, let us behold the King and let us, from this day forward, prepare the way. Amen. Let's pray.